Pretty Johnny Diesel, 98.7, 98.3, Audible PFM. This morning's with Matt and Muzz. How no, are you, Muzz? Yeah, not too bad today, Matt. You've got a bit of a facial injury. What yeah, happened? I got my surfboard to my head on uh, <laughs> Wednesday morning surfing. How did so, you manage that? What happened? Uh, just a wave came, board came out underneath, came back up, hit me in the side of the head. Oh, so, no. Are you all right? Yeah, my tongue's a little swollen because I bit my tongue. So if my uh, <laughs> enunciation or pronunciation is a little bit off, it's because I have this big... Well swollen tongue. Oh, well, I'm just going to assume you've had a little bit of a nip of uh, Jimmy Rum, Rum, because uh, we've got two special guests in the studio. We've got Jimmy Rum from Jimmy Rum, what are the chances? Well, how's that? And Robin, his special French distillery expert. Okay. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the show. All the way from Brittany. Wow. You just came from... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've just come from... Yeah, just come up the road. <laughs> I'm not quite that far, but I mean, Remain has come in from yes. Brittany in France. So. We've got international guests now, Muzz. That's I know, we are spreading our wings, aren't we, Matt? So Jimmy Rum's in here to promote the new opening of... What What exactly is it? Tell tell the listeners, because uh, I'm not even sure, you just... He's a surprise guest this morning, so... Yeah, no, we just thought we'd walk in and have yeah. a chat. Um, no, this is uh, Jimmy Rum's uh, bar is now all complete, and we've got our grand opening this weekend, so it's running all weekend from about 11am through to about 10pm. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we've got a big cocktail bar in there, a big barrel wall. Matilda, our still, is sitting front and centre in amongst a whole lot of it. Well, yep. And she uh, smells beautiful, too. I was in there and she, the other day, and she smells beautiful. Yeah, I've got to keep escorting you out, don't I? <laughs> Just to keep well, hanging keep around a little bit too long. You keep telling me to give her a hug, so I walk over there and give her a hug, a beautiful warm hug, and she smells good. So have you done anything like that, anything like this there in the Jimmy Run before? Is this a brand new concept for you guys? Or? No, no. For me, this is a it's a completely new venture. So yep. my background in marine engineering, so 20 years as the chief engineer around the world, and then as a bit of a joke, we turned around and said, well, it's, I'm over this. I'm going to go and make rum. Yeah. And yeah. now you, like, you've been in the show once before, but we kind of briefed, we kind of skimmed over this you did it so you did a world tour yes uh to find out the best rum what the rum that that you wanted to make for yourself so you toured what countries did you go to uh before you realized before you came back home yes what had actually happened out was i decided if i was going to do this i better do a bit of research yeah so i went through about (laughs) seven 70 distilleries in three months so that in australia that involved quite a few in tasmania and quite a few over in perth yeah and then uh reading a few uh books on rum making i found out there was a lot of craft rum distilleries all north of new york and up through boston it's a very before prohibition was a massive massive rum area okay so, and in the last 15 years, it's taken off again. So, yep. I thought, well, I better go and check well, them out. Well, there was in Boston, wasn't there a um, molasses, uh, one of the big drums way back a couple of hundred years ago blew up and all the molasses flowed down through the main streets of Boston really? and it was due to the rum. Yeah, it was, yeah. At least it would be nice I've read, and slow. Yeah, I've read about it somewhere. Yeah, that's it. You wouldn't be going, oh, no, yeah, running run. in slow motion. Yeah. It's not like lava is <laughs> the molasses is coming down the street. That's right. So, was there one distillery or one area, country that kind of inspired Jimmy Rum's rum more than others? No, what actually inspired me, well, the the rum is definitely, uh, we have our own Australian rum necessary uh, style. Yep. It's quite different to the rest of the world. Okay. Um, ours is uh, very different to a lot of other Australian rums, but our sugar cane and our earth and uh, sunshine definitely gives a certain unique flavour that we don't see, I don't see many other places in the world. Yep. So, uh, and putting in along with it our craft distillery of making sure our flavour is exactly where we want mm. it. 
Um, it, it's coming up very, very nice. Uh, and are there any new flavors, any new rums coming out in the horizon, or are you kind of settled at the moment for what you you happy with what you got? Or at the moment, or is that a question for Robin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, do you guys do you guys work together as on the concepts? Because Robin, you're the is it the head distillery expert, or what's the, what's your title? Well, I'm just uh, basically the distiller. I'm trying to make um, make James' idea just appear in the distillery. So basically, now we're trying to working on a kind of pink rum style. Pink rum, yeah. Mm. Mm, the pink rums. So we're basically we're using a lot of local Pinot grapes. Mm. We're trying to get a local Pinot influence into some of our spirit. Okay. So it's where we're aiming that. We're aiming for that around October if we're with any luck. Is rum one of those things where you can do almost like a fusion type thing, or that it doesn't really work? Or like it does work yes. with wine? Okay. Yeah. Oh, not so much with wine, but more with the grapes. Okay. So we do sort of uh, the probably the one to liken it to a little bit is like the Four Pillars Bloody Shiraz Gin, which ah, they use okay. a Shiraz cape and steep it out that <laughs> yeah. way. Where Whereas we're moving on a bit more of a local sort of thing and working on a bit of uh, local Pinot grapes. Now, when you did come back after your world tour, was it hard to try? Is it because I'm I'm, I'm tr- trying to liken it to a movie director where you've got a vision, mm-hmm. so you've got a taste in your mouth that you kind of have got the idea of what you want to taste. Is that something that you have to work with the people that you work with to try and get exactly the flavors right? How long and how long does that process take? Is that a months, weeks, years type thing or? Well, our process, we spent about, well, I spent about six months. We've got a little trial still there of about 50 liters. So I spent about six months literally trialing. We stuck to our molasses. We, we picked the last fully Australian owned molasses supplier in the country, sugar refiner in the country. So that okay. made that choice very easy. It yep. comes from Northern New South Wales. Okay. Um, and then from then I, all I could really play with was the style of ferment and the style of yeast we use. And we just played with that until we ended up with the, the Jimmy Warren flavour that we have right now, yeah. a really nice, quiet butterscotch flavour and a bit of vanilla moving through it. Yeah. So um, that was close to where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you never quite know till you start. Yep. And uh, we just influenced to get it to where we wanted it. Yeah, I like it. It's like a it's like a testing lab, a little <laughs> well, it is, yeah, <laughs> yeah test he, kitchen. He's uh, in his in his white dust coat in there every yeah. day. <laughs> the mad scientist, I oh, think, yeah, is probably the best right. option. Yeah. yeah, and it's with, with it's with rum as well, which is the best part as well. That's so right. Like, yes. Well, did you ever get sick yes. of it? No, no, never. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's, it's it's funny. We're having like I'll be doing for our import series because we also import rum because we want to basically I've put Jimmy Rum together to try and show the country what rum can be. Yep. So not only do we make our own magnificent spirits and rums, but uh, we also are trying to import these different styles and really premium rums. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting there at nine o'clock on a Monday morning trialing these different batches of rum. Yep. Um, <laughs> and the plumbers come through, sort of thinking, "Well, Jesus, you've got a really tough." job haven't you and uh yeah so well it's quite a difficult you've got to be completely critical on it yeah and i mean the reason i do it at nine o'clock in the morning because that's where your palate's at its freshest okay so i have to do it before the morning coffee before anything else and then i can get a much better analysis of the sort of the nose the front the middle and the back of the palate yep and uh it, there is a science to it okay. so it, it does require a lot of tasting and a lot of research and have you always had a refined palate or no, is it no, something that's grown yeah. Ah. yeah so i've actually learned it and using a 
lot of things like uh, aroma kits, which actually teach you how to smell certain flavours okay. and stuff like that. And do you that. do the, the sipping and the yeah. swishing and the swirling? Yeah, the yeah. swishing and swirling. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things people don't sort of realise, even our silver, which we consider a light rum, yep. has somewhere between 80 to 120 different flavours in it. Wow. Not yes. added flavours, but just part of the natural process. Yep. So we actually show you different ways to smell it so you can actually pick up some of those different flavours. Okay. You can do it with any spirit, actually. It's just a, it's, if you're not used to drinking straight spirits, it takes yeah, a little bit of burns. technique in uh, <laughs> technique in finding out how to smell some of those flavours. Yeah, that's right. Now, on your world tour, James, do you, oh, sorry, Jimmy, I should be saying, yeah. uh, any countries that you've visited that you can't remember visiting? <laughs> no, 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 I remember them all. I oh, usually stuck around for at least 36 hours in some of them, but uh, no, no, we remember them all. Oh, okay. and basically, I tried to contain myself to three distilleries oh, a day. Okay. <laughs> just three? Just three, just three distilleries a day. Like uh, a but most weekend. of the time I was driving, but it depends. A lot of the time I turned up unannounced to a distillery, and to tell you the truth, that's one of the big things that got me into it was just the passion of people in the industry yeah uh, didn't matter i was in canada i was in the states i was down in the caribbean the uk no one is in this industry because they have to be yeah they're all here because they love it and they have an absolute passion for it so yeah. to actually like a, there's a beautiful rum called privateer rum i think they are the seventh best rum in the states not so long ago okay. i walked in there unannounced and they gave me about four hours of their time literally just walking through the whole process showing me absolutely everything mm. so it was just fantastic with what the time and patience people will give you do you find that with the awards when it comes to alcohol do you agree with them because uh, it's, it's very unique everyone's got their own little you know literally their own taste uh do you find that you agree with some of the awards that are given to alcohol companies even if it's wine or whatever it may be beer awards do you tend, tend to agree with those or do you think it's just an individual has their own taste every individual matter? has their own taste so i mean we've been running tastings at the distillery since mid-january yeah. and i can tell you it's quite fun to sit there with your heart on your sleeve because you put your life into this product and having someone cough and splutter <laughs> over it because 90 percent of australia is not Sorry, used to drinking Jimmy. a straight spirit yeah i remember you um so but it really is and everyone has a completely different profile i mean now yeah. we we adjust our tasting so for instance our oat some people like to taste a rum forward approach but if you put just two drops of water in there mm. all of a sudden you get an oak forward approach mm -hmm. and it's a completely completely different spirit just by two or three drops of water so it's, it's about adjusting to people's palate and what they really like yeah and the beautiful thing with our full range at the moment is pretty much we cover most people's palates just in that full range there is generally something for somebody in there yeah so whether it's as a mixer or whether it is as gas straight it's pretty cool i have to go in there yeah now robin your background yeah. Is it uh, coming into distillery? Is it something you were doing in France? Yeah. So in, in rum or in a in in a different form of alcohol? So basically, I went to university in France when I started in biology and then I specialized in biochemistry. Yeah. And then in my last year, last years of my master degree, I just specialized in biochemistry in the alcohol process. So I do have a master degree in uh, fermentation process in wine, beer, and spirits. And I did specialize myself in spirit. So by doing a final internship in Panama, yep. in a craft distillery in Panama City as well for wow. like six months. Yeah. But I always, <coughs> always liked, really liked spirits, like uh, yeah. alcohol, like, and <laughs> rum, especially rum, even if we can't. Yeah. Maybe because we do have a kind of history with rum, with a 
French Caribbean island. Yeah. And also and Brittany pirates style. too. Yeah, pirates exactly. in Brittany. Yeah, yeah they exactly. drink rum. Pirates drink rum. A lot of sailor pirates. on the pirates. Rum drinker, I guess. And what's it like uh, working for Jimmy? It's very good. I was very happy because she's a beautiful seal. I've stayed Matilda. On the, I mean, I'm pretty free, I would say. If I want to try something, I just can try. I'm yep. also rocking some kind of coffee liqueurs those days. I'm just making a lot of tasting again yeah, i guess yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's really cool i mean and it was very great to see like the um, the, the project evolving with the yeah. bar construction everything yeah. and now everything is on set and can't wait for this weekend to yeah. just <laughs> just waiting for the customers now. part of the team now and yeah. is it going to be any french things on the menu um <laughs> there was some very good cheese i have to say like boche cheese which is a cheese maker in dramana yeah i just found Found them basically two weeks ago, and I'm down there every week really? just uh, to get some new cheese because it really tastes <laughs> really good. And yeah. yeah, so that'll be on the menu as well, will it, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I laughed last night. Remain put up on his private Facebook about uh, the grand opening coming up, and it was a grand opening rum and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Cheese yeah, and rum. He is French. He yeah. is French. Yeah, he is. Yes. I want it. And are you yes, going to be doing any uh, pairings with food? or? Yes, we do have it on this weekend. We've got a couple of things with, that we've paired with locally. Okay. Um, uh, there's the, the boat shed cheese has literally got in there. And what they've done is they've done a rum uh, or a silver washed cheese. Okay. So they've actually put their cheese and then they wash the rind in our spirit. Um, they've played with a couple of other flavours. I haven't tried them yet, so yeah. I'm hanging out to yeah. see how that happens. <laughs> um, and also Duran Rumi uh, Pastisserie, who's a very beautiful, beautiful local chocolate maker. Mm. Uh, he's put three personalities of chocolates together. Okay. Uh, they're all with our silver at the moment. And there's, uh, what is there? There's a pistachio and white chocolate. There's a pina colada style, and then there's also a dark chocolate with uh, cranberry or rum soaked. I think we better leave now, Matt, and go yeah. down there. I How think. to get yeah. people down there? Booze, cheese, and chocolate. I mean, come on. Oh, we're trying everything here. So <laughs> I'm, 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 That's I'm, it. I'm there. I'm we're there. Have to pop in. Yeah. We're there. <laughs> yeah, good luck in getting the chocolates. There's, there's going to be a bodyguard on that, and I think oh, it's really? going to be me. Um, um, now I've only had Jimmy Rum Rum once, mm-hmm. uh, and I had the master telling me which one to get because I wanted to have a dark and stormy and you said go with the Jimmy Rum Silver, Silver. Yeah. and tell you what it was delicious is there uh, is there any things that you turn your nose up on when people try and mix rum with certain things are you like oh my god you got my grandiosa rum and you put it with Sprite or anything you know is there anything that you is there any snobbery in it and they go oh not, you can't have it with that not at all as far as we're concerned okay. uh, literally Jimmy Rum is not judgmental if yep. you wish to mix it with something you go for your go life for it. Okay. I mean I and I the reason I do that is three and a half four years ago when I started this journey I couldn't drink a straight rum yep. it took 70 distilleries in three months to actually learn to drink <laughs> straight rum properly um, and after but, we got out of rehab it was yeah, fantastic yeah it was yeah. fine um, but um, no literally I used to have to I'd go and buy a really high end expensive rum at sort of 25 $30 a shot and try it straight every time cough splutter and then mix the bit of coke with it and yep. away we'd go yep. but uh, what I try and encourage everyone to do is at least try it straight not once you've got to do it twice you've got to sort of get your palate accustomed to it okay. if at first it doesn't succeed try again yep. um, and then mix it like we do our silver with just a dash of dry ginger and it. it's just amazing yep. how it changes we've got our Cubo Lebre on the menu which is our oat with again just a hint of coke and then some lime and we run it around with a big frozen cola ball which is pretty cool mm. uh, we moved a few of those 
That is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And have you got any um, uh, visions of maybe doing any sort of pre-mixed uh, Jimmy Rum? You know, Jimmy Rum in a can, Jimmy the, Rum bottles? Or? The old, uh, the RTDs as they call it, the ready-to-drinks. Yeah. Uh, yes, look, it is on our radar. I'm not entirely sure when that's going to happen. And that and that's a bit of a branding thing for us as well. We're a very premium craft rum brum, so we're not going to go and throw it in just your standard yeah. can or anything like that. And we're going to make sure it tastes right. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, I'm a mad sailor, and I can tell you one of my goals is to be able to have uh, carry a six cans of Jimmy Rum in boat. some style onto a boat. In the south be, of France, uh, absolutely awesome. Even <laughs> the south of France, Jeez, if we're at, if you're buying cans of it in south of France, I'll well, be very, very even happy. even Saint Bernard dog, rescue dogs. You could get it on there. Uh, the the necks up in the snow. Well, yeah. we are up in a few places in the snow, there so we yeah, go. we've just got to continue a little bit with that. So we're up in Buller and Mount Hotham, so in a couple of venues up there. But yeah, uh, yeah a few great some <laughs> running around with barrels of rum uh, that could be interesting yeah i was gonna ask you about that if you can't get down to jimmy rum to get your rum what are some of the locations that we might be able to find it um we're in quite a few places we're in cellar and pantry over in um where are they Belnaring or red yep. hill way yep. uh, then we're at flinders hotel we're at hotel sorrento uh seabreeze cellars in boundary road ray's an absolute legend he is uh if you <laughs> if you do like your spirits i can't remember he posted the other day he's got over 400 spirits in there he or does he's, he is he has an amazing collection for a slightly out of the way uh little bottle shop yeah there. It, it really is a hole in the wall bottle shop but That's his right. passion for spirits is just uh, the second to none i think he's the top five little bottle shop in the country or really? something like that he's yeah. amazing um but apart from that Tramana Cellars down on the foreshore there and now we're starting to move into the city we're at nick's wine merchant which okay. is uh probably one of the best places to get any rum yep. in melbourne uh their their um their cellar door is insane okay um but and can you um can you order online as well and then definitely online yeah so if you uh want rum hand delivered to your door it's yep. just www.jimmyrum.com.au and follow the links to the shop I all like the info that. for the uh <laughs> opening is on there in the header too so click on and find out uh, what's happening this weekend? So. Sounds good to me. So, yeah. so with with the bar opening tomorrow, is there some specialised cocktails that maybe uh, Troy is making tomorrow? No, we don't necessarily. Well, we're going to keep it a little quiet for the minute. Let's just say oh, okay. we we may be working on something. I'm working with Mick, who's our Mick Finlay, is our venue manager, who's an absolute champion. He's a lot of people. I call him one step because he's one step from knowing anyone in the country. I believe. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll be working on something this today and just seeing if we've got a little special drink we can have for the opening. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we've been working on a bit of mulled cider. We'll be there for. Oh a yes, moment. I have. I have experienced that mulled mulled cider. It's it's nice on a cold winter day. It is, so. and I think tomorrow may be one of those days too. I, I think it will be one yes. of those days, and it's it's a beautiful cider from Mister Little Cider, only about four doors down from the distillery. Mm. Um, so we take some of their cider, add a few secret herbs and spices, and then uh, top it up with a bit of our silver. Or sometimes we depends on the feeling. We sometimes we use a bit of oaked with it. So it just yeah. depends on the recipe of the day. Yes. And uh, and Robin, is it is there much of a difference um, in making wine beer? And rum, like, what are the, is there? A, is there a process completely different, or is it quite similar? Yeah, <clears throat> well, the basic of the process is always fermentation. So everything, yep. like even bread making, all of this happened just thanks to the yeast and yep. everything. But yeah, basically, wine is quite a longer process, obviously, yep. which is fun with like um, spirits. I mean, yep. and, and spirits or unaged spirits that you can have, kind of 
you can see it appears quite quickly, I would say. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, for a rum, it's kind of four days fermentation, then yep. a, a full day of distillation, and you can taste yep. the, like the pre-silver kind of, because then it needs to mature a bit. Yep. But uh, yeah, on beer, I would say, yeah, basically it's a very same same process, yeah. but... Uh, and do you have a preference you like making one over the other? Yeah, spirit, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like to play that. with the steel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming down there. So, uh, Jimmy, just uh, tell us the website again and tell us all about it again, just as a wrap-up. So it's uh, www.jimmyrum.com.au. I'd say it's easy to remember. It is. Jimmy Rum, Jimmy Rum, Jimmy Rum. Yes, Jimmy Rum, yes, right. Yeah. And it's all happening tomorrow. Oh, it's all happening tomorrow. We've got tastings from 11 till 5, and then uh, we've pretty much got live music from about 5 going through. Yep. Uh, we've got Los Milbrai, which is a, a food truck in there, serving uh, Argentinian or South American food. So uh, You've already yeah, sold no, me. Look, it's, <laughs> look, the food is awesome out the back. We've got amazing, I call it the world's biggest pergola, yep. um, and it's the rum garden out the back. So mm. that's, that's good to be uh, relaxing out there with a cocktail. And we've also got a lot of craft beers. So we're a big, massive supporter of local as much as I can. Yep. So we're running a lot of local spirits as well. Last yep. time I was on here, I was talking about the seven local distilleries. Yep. So we've got as many of their products behind the bar as well. And also we've got Jetty Road Brewery. We've got mm. Dayton's. Uh, who else have we got in there? We've like got Dayton's. Two Boys. Oh, yep. sorry, Two Bays Brewery. Yep. Um, yeah. So we've generally got a selection from pretty much all the local craft beers so as cool. well. So, so cool. it's it really is. It's a, it's a, it's a great little selection. So yeah. if, even if you're not particularly into the rum, come for the experience and come for a drink. Oh, the the building that, itself yeah. is magnificent. Like yeah. I've been in the bar just a few, I've uh, dropped in a few days towards mm. its completion and it, it is amazing. It's mm. got a great feel, as I said, a great smell. Like yeah. you walk in there and just go, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mm. And, wow. And now that I know you have to be a scientist to make, to make rum, right. I just thought it was as simple as, you yeah, know, just no. boil up a few bits. And it helps if you're French like, as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it didn't have to be, but it helps. I was kind of making it a science. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I didn't know neither, but yeah, you've got yeah. a lot of, uh, especially in beer with all the flavor types, whatever, mm. there is a lot of studies going on and this is very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, thanks for dropping in, guys. Really appreciate it. You, uh, feel free to stick around. Uh, we've got Annie coming in shortly. Yes. Uh, it's going to be talking about movies and stuff. So if you guys like movies, feel free to stick around and ask her some questions as well. Uh, but right now, you're with Matt and Muzz. Time for a bit of Paul Simon. Absolutely. Stick around. Friday morning, Jackie Mitchell's on after us at 11. And yeah, just uh, put your pants back on. We'll Beauty. take them off. We'll take them off. A man walks down the street. There you go, a bit of Tracy Chapman, Eric Clapton live. Wow. That's some sort of uh, Christmas benefit, very special Christmas. Eh, I don't know. Sounded good. It did sound good, yes. Whatever yes. happened to Tracy Chapman? No idea. I think she toured a couple of years ago again, so she's probably still around. Yeah. She's lingering. Yeah, probably. She's yeah. very good. Yeah. She, she did have good. a very successful career in, yeah. in those 80s and there's, into the early 90s. There's some people that just peak and fizzle. It's really yeah, weird. but then know. again, maybe you want to hide. I yeah. think celebrity may not be cracked up to what that's, everyone thinks it is. That's you, true. Yeah, I think when you walk into places and you're a celebrity. Yeah. yeah or you get a taste of it and you go, oh, yeah. I don't think I like this. I'm going to back no, up a little bit. No, that's it, yeah. Uh, so we've got our second guest in to the studio today. It's Annie. Yeah, she popped in Annie. briefly last week to say that she was popping in this week. Welcome to the show. How are you guys? Very nice good. to be here. Very good. Now, Annie, you're Mrs. Movies. 
Miss oh, movies, well. Ms. Movies. <laughs> a little bit. So, what, uh, Muzz, you know more about this than me. You can, you can, well, lead yeah, in. yeah. Well, Annie's one that we just met. Uh, I met Annie a couple of weeks ago when we both did our uh, yeah. studio course. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always interesting to, to meet someone in our area who has a very different background. Yeah. You know, she's uh, <laughs> been very active in uh, the film and TV world. Yeah. So much so that uh, she's also a lecturer. Or has been a lecturer at uh, yes, definitely Swinburne. Swinburne at Swinburne, Swinburne. Yeah. Oh, and that's one of the best one in, yeah. in film in, and TV. In film, in, in uh, film aspects of yes. projects, multimedia projects, and uh, so what, what? 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 What is your involvement in film? What did you do? What were your jobs? Yeah. What? Tell, okay. tell, give us your CV. Well, I'll give you. I'll, I'll give you my CV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I started originally at a law course at Melbourne Uni. Hang on one sec. I might uh, just move your microphone if that's all right. Sorry, one sec. Oh, a little bit closer. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I started, uh, as I said, in law. uh, Started with that and uh, thought this is a bit boring and a bit long-winded. And uh, looked at the film course, which I was always into films and everything at that stage in Melbourne Uni. And uh, switched very quickly in the first semester to film and theatre and uh, music. Which was fantastic. Best decision you ever made, I Oh, very good. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) What, not a lawyer? No. No, not not a lawyer? Well, why wouldn't you want to sit in court? Oh, well, I don't know, but my father was disgusted. He said, you'll be unemployed like every other person in the creative area. Yeah. And uh, so I went on and had probably the best four years of my life just looking at films, studying theatre, looking, playing instruments. Yep. Being around lots of great guest lecturers and... um, avant-garde filmmakers, uh, really fantastic. Yep. But at the end of it, you think, oh, God, what are you going to do for a job? And uh, I ended up running a film uh, course in a high school, a a big film, uh, Nunna Wedding High, they had a great big film centre. Yep. So running that on the seat of my pants and then went off to London for a couple of years and worked for the Australian Film Commission. Really? And that was promoting Australian films in Europe. And so, in, in what era was that? Because I'm not going to date your age or anything. No, was that, was that in those the big yeah, halcyon days of Australian yeah, movies? Yeah, it was. It certainly was. And yeah. there was a lot of tax exemptions for filmmakers, so there was a lot of really lousy films that you know yeah. no one would ever <laughs> want to watch. <laughs> There was a few classics, though, amongst a few of those horrible, those Australian specialist yep. gore movies. Yes, were, a few uh, gore movies, oh, yeah, yes. So were, bad that it's good. They were, yes. Oh, yes, yeah. I remember one, <laughs> yep. The Long Weekend. And it absolutely. Was, it was a... It was a cracker. Yeah, absolutely. There were, there were so many. And we, through the Australian Film Commission in London, we used to get lots and lots of Australian producers. People like Mel Gibson would come through and we had, in the early stages of his career, and we had to organised promotions for his then films and, and, yeah. and of course, then he went from nothing to a, a superstar. This was, yeah. this was uh, post-Mad Max or in yeah, that Mad Max era? Uh, yeah, just before Mad Max okay. and then, bang, it came out in okay. the 80s and, of course, he was huge. So. Yeah. But, he, you know, he had a few issues then, as we all know in the history books. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Gibson, <laughs> really? <laughs> and uh, I remember one time at the Australian, Australia House in London, his wife saying, oh, I'm not sure, I think we have to have 12 months off because... He's doing a few too, a few too much alcohol, a bit of really? alcohol, and a bit well, of. Um, and, and he has he has lots of children too, because I can remember yeah. when he was living 
down in, uh, he was living in Mount Beauty up yes, near yes, Falls definitely. Creek. And he I think back then he had about eight kids. Yes. Yeah, he, he's I got a lot of kids. He yeah. has got a lot of kids. He's yeah. a bit of a family man, a yeah. strong Catholic, as yes, we know. Yes, he is. You can tell by some of his movies. Yes. He's yeah. <laughs> a, a religious Although man. sometimes I feel like with Mel Gibson, it's a little bit, you know, he did Braveheart and he wasn't yep. in trouble and it was like, oh, it's a masterpiece. Yes. Academy Award, Best Definitely. Director. Definitely. And then he's had some issues. He did Apocalypto. It's like, oh, it's yes. brutally violent. Brutally it's like, have you seen... Braveheart. Absolutely. It's violent ass. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. Look at their legs drops Absolutely. off and horses are getting killed. Absolutely. So one's love a genius, film, one's a love psycho. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was, it was a good film. Yeah. I, yeah. I love Braveheart. I yeah. think it's a great film. Fantastic soundtrack. You know, it was an epic thing it for was. him to take on. It was. Um, so you're in London, you're doing all that stuff, you're getting some stuff over yep. from Mel Gibson. Um, and lots of different actors would come through. And we did things like we had to go into uh, – the sales things like the Cannes Film Festival, which is basically it's a film festival, but it's also it's they sell films and sell, sell projects, film mm. projects and everything during the Cannes Film Festival. Yep. So went to that. I've probably been to that three times, which is a lot of fun because you end up on big boats chatting to people <laughs> who are changing deals, doing deals for $10, yeah. $10 million here. And, and movie stars. Yeah, and, and movie stars and all that sort of stuff. Yep. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. Mm. Doing and how, Annie, how did you cope with that? Because, you know, when you meet big-time movie stars, mm. is that something you just deal with as in a normal person or you just sort of your jaw drops and goes ah oh, blah 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 yeah, yeah were I, you ever starstruck no not not really at all apparently like overseas the australians seem to have a very very laid-back attitude towards stars to yep. celebrities to you know I, I don't know at the time i was hoping just to make enough money so i didn't starve so i, I was really happy <laughs> just to be there and yep. so celebrities themselves you know one time bruce willis was there and there must have been a wall of paparazzi I've never in my life seen before. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Like yeah. <laughs> he was walking into a hotel and there was literally layer high of paparazzi. It, yeah. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And I thought, my Godfather, imagine living with that as Mars. <laughs> That's I it, heard the celebrity, say, yeah. Imagine living with that no level yeah. of yeah. celebrity all the time in your yeah. life. And it's actually turned me off in the phase where I thought I wanted to do acting. I thought, oh, I that I, as a private person, I don't think I could cope with that. Yeah, so, yeah, no. that would be yeah. You, well, you Very lose different. your anonymity, don't you? Absolutely. And, um, there's, there's, you get the money, but you also lose your freedom, as Mel Gibson would say in Braveheart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit of a catch twenty two. Although I feel like it's, uh, I can see it more of an issue for people back in say the fifties uh, and the movie stars that yeah. didn't know about what was going to happen. Yeah, Nowadays, definitely. though, I think you kind of know it's coming. If you want to be a movie star, it's going to come with that's, it. So exactly the, right. Yeah, the people that complain about it now, I'm like, yeah, you knew yeah. what you're getting yourself yeah, this into. This is what you want. Yeah. I think I agree with you, and I, I hear so many movie stars that say I'm a private person. Well, why would you? choose that job yeah, if you're exactly. a private person you'd be behind the camera if you were going to be a, exactly. a private person yeah. Yeah. And, and also you can be a movie star and not live in LA you can live and exactly. travel into in other and, parts of the world yeah. absolutely um, certainly can so and that pretty and so you're in Cannes you're on boats with Bruce Willis <laughs> yeah. gallivanting yeah, surviving um, to eat put food on the table yeah, absolutely eating, eating yeah. beluga caviar <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and lobster <laughs> on the yacht and the good thing it was all free but yeah <laughs> that's it as it should, as it should be yeah. you, you'd say well we're from the Australian Film Commission yeah. and they'd open the door and we go, okay, good, I think we're going there in yeah. that direction, straight onto that boat. So during the stage you were working, were you working on movies at that stage or no, part of the board? No, that, that type of thing, I suppose I thought I wanted to do producing and that gives you a good idea of the global market and how, how films sell, what yep. sells, what territories around the world 
actually uh, buy films and mm. what do they actually buy and why do they buy them and yep. and uh, so our job and that was a, during the big tax relief in the Australian market uh, for films yep. and um, so it was fairly important to get out there and find out what was happening but so many of the films for me commercially I thought god they're, they're pretty lousy yeah <laughs> They might have met the Australian well, requirements yeah. <laughs> for film for money, but they I couldn't see where they could find a market. So yeah. I learned a little bit about that. And, okay. uh, it, but it, there, is, there is surprising movies that are very successful absolutely. that you wonder where their market is and, in, exactly. and, and they do become very successful. It, it, well, hmm. one of those was Muriel's Wedding. Yes. I was there for uh, Cannes Film Festival with that film and... Okay. Uh, it was a great surprise, the effect yeah. that Muriel's Wedding had everybody just mm. went and crazy. And it is a, and a very Australian it is. background yeah. movie. Like it it's is. not... You, you yeah, they're not pandering you, to an American no, audience. No, no, you would think the Americans would struggle with that. But absolutely. then again, you know, look what they did with Crocodile Dundee too. A- absolutely. But it was more a play. It was more a play on the let's mm. get the American market. Well, that well, Crocodile Dundee at the time, Paul Hogan had tried to get money in Australia and he couldn't get any because everybody, Australian financiers said... This is not a – nobody will go for this. Yeah. And he got the money for uh, – in one week in New York. <laughs> really? And look what happened. And look what happened. It was a film – I was working at one time for a post-production company and they put 100000 into the film. And yep. They made millions. <laughs> yeah. I know. The <laughs> and I thought, on that. how do they pick something like that? That's right. But so is it – was that – so Muriel's Wedding was one of the biggest shocks you've seen. Is there any other movies that you thought, oh, this is going to do terrible and it did great or vice versa? Something that you thought was going to be a masterpiece and it just flopped? Uh, not so much. I mean, it. That, believe it or not, a lot of them do sell. Even, yep. They still sell even though they're not in that top – category where they make billions of dollars a lot yeah. of them still sell and still, still make their budgets back yep. on the world markets in in many different parts of the world mm. and of course now you've got all the netflix and all of the various avenues for films yeah but um no I, I, muriel's wedding was a real shock i, I couldn't believe that i yeah. couldn't believe how well it did and, and of course great producers and, and that did rest, sort of restart the australian movie it, Totally. Um, yeah, movie scene again, mm. didn't it? Yeah, because we absolutely. were really quite successful. Then it faded out for yep. a while, and then yep. now it's come back quite strong again. Absolutely. So, yeah. do you reckon is there a, is there a key ingredient? Do you think to what makes a good movie? Do you think it just is purely script based? Is that the most important? Do you think the director is the most important mm. part? Do you mm. think just the that sort of uh, vibe, just whatever whatever magical mm. thing happens on certain movies that doesn't happen on others? What yeah. What do you think? Do you, is there a Definitely a combination of all of those yeah. things, but everybody goes back to the same old thing. The script has to be very, very good. Yeah. Because you can really feel if it's a lousy script you, and, and the actors are sort of reaching for lines that just yeah. sound ridiculous. That, that also in that movie, the osmosis of the those the two lead actresses in that movie. Look Absolutely. At what, look where they've gone on to. Of course. And it was just a case of... They were the right people for that movie. They totally and were. they just yeah. you know, accelerated yeah. to and where it, it came absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah. And the terrific um, husband and wife team, uh, yes. Jocelyn Morehouse and PJ Hogan, yeah. did that film. They're an amazing couple of Australians. Yeah. And uh, PJ Hogan. And it was, it, PJ, it was based on sort of his, loosely he, his on his life, his life yes. of growing up. Yes, yeah. definitely. I think he grew up on the Gold Coast. Gold Coast. The Porpoise Spit was really... Uh, <laughs> based on his... really like... <laughs> Southport or Chevron Island Absolutely. or one of those one of those wonderful 
yeah. Gold Coast uh, suburbs. <laughs> Little suburb, absolutely. <laughs> yep, and and the, the play between the mother and the, the girlfriend oh, yes. and everything was loosely based on his yes. family okay. upbringing. So okay. a very, very... Had some source material to work on. Bit off. of source material. That's yeah. right. Because, uh, yeah, I always thought it was the actor. You know, it's like, oh, I like Bruce Willis movies. Yeah. And then you realise uh, it's more probably the director. Yeah. Um, as I had a stage there where I was looking at some of my favourite movies. And I was like, I wonder if there's any connection. I looked and like out of the four of them, they were done by uh, David Fincher. Oh, yes, uh, yes. And I was like, oh, I really like David Fincher. And yeah. I didn't even realise. And then I was like, oh, I like his movie. He's the, he's the key ingredient to what yes. I like. Yes. Uh, and same it might be Steven Spielberg or whoever it might be. Absolutely. But I, I feel like... Like a lot of people, if they like list their top ten movies, three of them, unbeknownst to them, are by usually the same director. Same director. Um, and it, it's really the tone setter. Um, the only ones that kind of switch around a little bit is maybe the Coen Brothers. Yes. Because they do comedies and then they're really serious I movies. I love. Uh, to me, it's a toss up between the Coen Brothers and Quentin Tarantino. Okay. I, oh, the Tarantino. other night, <laughs> the other night, I stayed up and watched Fargo at oh, midnight again, and yeah, I haven't seen Fargo film. for a few years. What a wonderful movie yeah. Fargo oh, wonderful is. Film. It is. Yeah. Actually, I saw uh, I saw The Hateful Eight at the Astor Theatre. I remember I was telling yes, you about that. Yes, And uh, it was kind of a bit awkward. It came up on the big screen, you know, the Weinstein Company. Yes, uh, I know. That's and, one of the problems. And the audience, and I was like, oh, should we start booing? And everyone's like, boo. And then everyone laughed because it's awkward now. That, well, that's it. And, but he was... Uh, he, he was very huge. He yeah. was behind oh, he all was those Tarantino movies. He, he was behind a lot of great films. He though. was. And when I was in London, everyone wanted to get a job at Weinstein's Company. And yeah. You think, oh, God. Well, hindsight's you know. a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, look, I'm going to go to a quick track now, but this is fascinating. I'm fascinated by this. I've got stacks more questions for you, like stacks more. Yeah. So we're going to go to a tune now. We're going to go to the news at the top of the hour. When we come back, we're going to be chatting more with Annie. I might even give you... Hotsprings.com, a station sponsor. 98.7, 98.3, RPP. The Peninsula's biggest variety. That's right, RPPFM. You're listening to Mornings with Matt and Muzz uh, with our special guest, Annie, who is everything film, everything Hollywood, everything, everything, everything. <laughs> That's oh, it. Oh, not quite, but... No. <laughs> and amazing stories off air that we've just been talking yes. about. Too, she so. can, she can uh, get in a bit more nitty-gritty well, off air. She doesn't want to publicly shame people. It's a... <laughs> A, a, a mind of wealth over here. We can mine this for, for years, we can. this one. Um, so uh, you're in Cairns. Cairns, sorry. Cairns. Which, uh, for the listeners out there, is the south of France as opposed to the north of Australia. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> Geography. It's not my strong point. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so what, what was the next part of your career? What, what, what happened after that? Well, um, went back uh, to London for a while and then, of course, it was a visa thing and... Uh, trying to get a full-time job there or getting, you know, or coming back to Australia and to about two and a half years in London, headed, decided to head back to Australia and uh, got work with uh, Swinburne University as a lecturer mm-hmm. in film and, uh, and also, which gave you a little bit of flexibility, go off and work on things and which they expect you to do. Yep. And uh, so that was a lot of fun and uh, coming up there I worked on films up in the north of Australia or such as... In Cairns. So you went from Cairns to Cairns. Cairns and Port Douglas, which worked with a very famous uh, director, Terence Malick, Mm -hmm. who had had a 20-year hiatus of not doing anything from films like Badlands. And he was like a legend, but uh, he was a very unusual man, an academic from a university uh, point of view as well. And had done nothing because he didn't like the fame thing after okay. he got a lot of acclaim from Badlands and his yeah. other films. And, yeah. 
And uh, so when he was going to do this film, The Thin Red Line, every actor in Hollywood everywhere wanted to be on it, no matter how small a part they yeah. they got. There's a lot of people in that movie. It, it has a it, major it, star list in major that movie. Star. It was the extras. It's like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and the extras, that was a great gig. The, well, the, technically, uh, even George Clooney was an extra, didn't he? He, totally. he just had a very minor part yeah. in that movie. Just cameos. Just, yeah. George was there for a week. Was Woody and Harrelson in that as well? Woody Harrelson yeah, Woody was, was there. In for, it. Yep. Woody, Woody, it Woody was there for a whole six months. Yep. So he was there a long time. Did you get to know Pitt. Woody? Yeah. He, no, well, he seems like a cool guy. Very cool. Cra- <laughs> I feel like him and Muzz will get guy. along. Oh, yeah. Him yeah. and Muzz would very much get along. <laughs> yes, I could see an association with Woody. He's yeah. a character. He, man. he was a He's real a cool character. Yeah. Very, yes. very cool guy. Yep. One time we were all sitting in a cafe in Port Douglas, and you know the actors off the set were just such easygoing. No, especially the, some of those A-listers, Woody Harrelson and Sean Penn. And, mm. and we were all sitting in a cafe and a couple of hippies from very, very far north Queensland, <laughs> <laughs> further north than Port Douglas. They, up in the hills. Up in the hills. They came, <laughs> hill they came, busted into the cafe and said, oh, hi, you guys. Went straight up to Sean Penn and said, we've got a, a music festival up in the middle of nowhere, up near Cape York, would you guys like to come over the weekend? Mm. And Sean Penn said, love to come. Thanks for inviting me. Wow. (laughs) Sounds like deliverance. It it certainly (laughs) did. It's kind of funny when your your interpretation of, say, of Sean Penn as an actor would, Mm. you you could almost see it as a bit aloof and a bit hard to get to because Mm. some of the roles he's played in movies and it gives you a rough idea of Mm. what you think the person's like. But Mm. obviously it's not always like that. Mm. Uh, Sean, Sean was a very smart, intelligent man. Always had a bit of a struggle between the laying around on a film set. Acting is a lot of hanging around on a film set, yep. waiting to actually do something. And yep. you could be waiting all day. And he said he always had that difficulty between being an actor, which he loved, and actually getting behind the scene and directing where you're just yeah. working nonstop all day. Yep. So... You know, he said the lack of control sometimes of an actor, being an actor, he found difficult. Has has that changed um, over the years with the the use of now digital cameras? Because I know back in the day they used to literally have to take the film out, and it'd be a lot of time downtime. You could only film for a certain, you know, maybe five ten minutes, and then they'd have to change the film over. Yeah. Um, has that changed a lot um, now with digital cameras and and the way technology is changing? Because they can just continuously film. Yes, I I think so. But there's still always a lot of setup on, on a big film. There's a lot of set up it's a it's a lot of a, a big part of the day is waiting around to get the technical side right yeah and uh, it's something you don't see behind the scenes but there's a lot of money going sitting around on that set yeah. every single day and even though they sh- can shoot a lot and only use a small amount for the final product uh, i still think it's it's a big deal but but digital of course makes it uh, yeah a lot, lot easier. And, would be. and the big stars, do they have their trailer with their name on the front and a little star and a chair with their star on it? Well, on that film, it's definitely in America they do. But, yeah. it, but here in Australia? No. No. Yeah. No, no so you're so, not a big star. You're just Sean Penn. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. And, and, and George Clooney, yeah. all of them, they came on. They, they stayed in nice accommodation, of yep. course. Yep. But uh, And they were driven to the set every day, which was an hour out of Port Douglas. Okay. By uh, chauffeurs and things, but uh, that's about it, really. Would have been pretty cool for the for the town. Yeah, very you know, cool for the town. Having all these celebrities very come through. Well, exciting. I think it, it was part of you know Port Douglas became yeah. spot the celebrity. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, like even Absolutely. people like Mick Jagger go there. Yeah. There's lots of fame, lots of lots of famous people. I, I remember being up there once, and Jerry Seinfeld was laying on the beach, <laughs> and somebody <laughs> says, "Doesn't isn't that?" 
And I said, that's Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> really? <laughs> Absolutely. So random. Cool, but random. There you go. <laughs> yeah, because there's, there's been a fair few uh, TV shows and movies that have been made over here now, isn't there? Absolutely. It's been a bit, bit of a hotspot. There has been a hotspot. And I think the government needs to look at getting back to putting a lot more money into tax breaks and things into the Australian film industry because it, there's been a bit of a lull mm. in especially shooting up there or other company, uh, countries coming here yeah. to shoot because the tax breaks aren't there so they go somewhere else like Malta or yeah. somewhere else. And it, it and, is. Uh, it's a, it has saved our industry or the movie absolutely. industry in Australia quite a few times, the, it, the tax, tax breaks. Mm. And, you know, it's a subsidy but it keeps our crews working. It keeps them skilled. Uh, they have to keep going, otherwise mm. they've got no income and they'll go and just do another job. So we lose their great skills. And yep. we do lose a lot overseas too, don't we? We, we do. Yeah, people yeah. have to go somewhere for work. They yeah. So, any what what were some of the movies that uh, inspired you as a kid to maybe get into the movie industry? What were there? Did you have favourites um, pre pre entering mm. it and then post? Yeah, I didn't. To be honest, I didn't. I, I always loved. I, I wanted to be a journalist, actually, and yep. and ended up in a law degree and then into a film degree. Yeah, so, as you do. As you do, <laughs> you sort of chop all over the place because yep. uh, your interest change. Yeah, your yep. interest. I, I always loved information and uh, and films and entertainment and yep. uh, all that, but nothing really specific until I got to Melbourne Uni when everybody the discussion around lots of lovely uh, young people who were all interested in all sorts of things and fantastic skills and you know they're only 19 20 and they're interested in everything from yeah from films to you know and they, they had enormous breadth of experience and interest and, yep. and theater musical theater yeah so i was just there as a sponge so that was where my my interest really started to get and it, it, does it does it change the way you view movies now because you know how they're made? Do you watch them yeah. differently and, and you watch a shot and you go, oh, well, I know that there's probably 19 guys behind the camera Absolutely. setting it all up? Absolutely. And the one thing is I'm always the person sitting in the movie cinema last because I'm watching all the credits. <laughs> yeah. And and everybody, what, what, get up. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> yeah. But I yeah. just love it. I love watching the credits and finding out who's done what. If, yeah. Is there anyone I know in any of the Australian yeah. ones? Very cool. Who did the music and yeah. where, what, what studios were these shot at these yep. films and what locations around the world yeah and now that's not something anyone that if they weren't in anything to do with a film oh, they wouldn't I, be interested. I, do, I do it a little oh, bit sometimes. Do, do you pick out continuity issues in movies and and uh things in the background that shouldn't be there yeah, yeah. You, you, you do you <laughs> yeah. see that because on thin red light that was my Area continuity, oh, continuity, oh, continuity okay. and what the Americans call script supervisor. Well, I've okay. got a bunch of faults that I found in the movie. Let's go through them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll blame, I, I'm I'll blame actually, it on the director. I'm actually going back tonight and watching it. I'm going to go and watch oh, no. it because sometimes I'm a, I'm a bit of a stickler for those things. I I'm my friends always rag on me because I watch the Avengers and I'm like, yes. but that doesn't make any sense. And I, you know, even when someone's yes. smoking in a scene or if someone's got a bit of stubble, I'm like, how? Uh, and I start focusing on that. Like, how are they doing that? Is it multiple shots? Have they got a long burning cigarette? What, what's going on? Like, I start thinking about those things. Even I was watching Everybody Loves Raymond the other day, and the houses are meant to be facing each other, and they always coming through the back door. And I'm like, hang on a sec, logistically, yeah. how is this working? Yeah, they're jumping the back fence. And, and my mum's just like, it's a sitcom, just enjoy it. Well, and I'm I, like, yeah, yeah, but technically. I saw a movie the other week. It was on, again, The Sting, and it was mm. uh, Robert Redford. And Paul Newman, yeah, and it was film. based in the twenties in yes. wherever. Yep. In the background of one scene, there's a freeway, and there's lots of cars going on. <laughs> don't know whether they had those freeways no. back in those I days. Don't think they did. No, yeah. I'm, I'm the same as well. You know, movies are set in a certain era. That's uh, it. Um, I watched 
one the other day as a as a, a Michael Bay movie, so it wasn't yeah. like you know a cinematic masterpiece, but it was set in '95, and I was like, hang on a sec. And the car that I were driving was like a 2001. I'm like, hang on a sec, what's going on here? Well, in another one I saw too, which really disappointed me because I'm such a big fan. Goodfellas. Oh, no. Right? No, no, no. I have to tell you one scene okay. where there's the airport heist. Oh, no. They're at the airport. Right. Yes. Yeah, LaGuardia or wherever yeah. it is. Yep. And it's in the 60s. Yep. A 747 goes and landing. Oh. They didn't have <laughs> they 747s didn't have then. They didn't, they didn't, didn't come to later. And I'm okay. looking at it going... Hang on a One second. of the world's great filmmakers has missed that and yeah. I've picked that. it up. Absolutely. And he probably would have purposely tried to put that in the shot, I guess, well, as well. to show have a 727 or a 707, yeah. not a 747. But you'd oh. be surprised. He's, you're very observant, all, both of you, but <laughs> other people do not see these things. No. And if you're into film, you, you go, oh, that's so glaringly yeah. wrong. There's a mistake there. Yeah, yeah. And my and wife, I do that. My wife just goes, I hate going to the movies exactly. with you sometimes. Yeah. You're wrecking I, it. Yeah. Just yeah. enjoy it. You wreck it. All right, I'm going to go to a tune. Uh, more with Annie after this. You're quite happy to stick around with us. Yes, definitely. Love it. Uh, mornings with Matt and Mars. Time for a bit of Ed Sheeran now from his new album, Number Six Collaborations. Ooh, 98.7. Hey, I live for you all day. I've been away on the road for a little while. Today I'm heading home to. Sheeran, featuring her. I don't want your money. I don't want your money, Mars, all right? Her. Yeah, H-E-R. I don't know. I don't Who's know. Her? I don't know if it's her yeah. or H-E-R. H-E-R, her. That's yeah. kind of her. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't know about that, mate. Yeah, me either. That. me either. Sheeran? We'll have yeah. to write her a letter and say, yeah, so hey, yeah. remix the name a little bit. Yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. Um, mm. Mars, would you like to do your surf report? Yeah, oh, it's getting to that time of the day. There's probably people waiting to listen oh, to the probably. surf report. Yeah, people wait. Yeah, they're at the beach waiting. They are. They yeah. are. They're not. They're looking at it and going, should, should I go, I go in? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's open up the thing. What have we got today? Church key. Nice. A lot of the a lot of the surf music, I don't know what it is until it starts playing, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Like even the what is it, Duck Dick Duck or whatever it is, Dick Dale, Dick Dale, that's Dick one. Dale. Like, sorry, I wouldn't have known that, but if I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah, you that's would on. know the song. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. it. That's exactly it. All right. So what do you got for us? Well, on this in this week's Bass Surfboard Surf Report, we uh, have in the midst of yet another swell. We've had basically a three week run of waves earlier this week. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday were amongst the best, strongest groundswell we've had all year. And looking over the next week, the swell has backed off a little bit, but pretty much the conditions, other than this afternoon when a bit of a front comes through, it's going to be west-northwest, which is going to mean reef breaks in Western Port Bay, or if you're lucky enough to get over to the west coast around Bells and Winky Pop. So pretty much... Winky Pop? Yeah, Winky Pop. Yep, pretty much got a week... Of the same conditions. Okay. Head high. There might be the odd day in between. There's a couple of good solid banks on the back beaches that might hold waves. Yep. But primarily it's going to be reef breaks in yep. Western Port Bay. On now, safety is a concern as well when you're surfing. Yes, it is. You look like you've got uh, got in the ring with Mike Tyson. I got my surfboard to the side of my head at 7 o'clock on uh, Wednesday morning. Okay. So, yes, which, uh, yes, I've got a bump on one side of my head and a cut and I... <laughs> 
bit my tongue. So my tongue's a little <laughs> swollen, so I'm not really yeah. talking as well. No, as you I'm sound gonna... great. Oh, do I? Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. As per usual. That's it. Maybe yeah. I should have had some rum and it might have changed well, yeah. it earlier. The, yeah, that's my excuse. Early, I'm, I'm half drunk right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good, good. You've got your pants <laughs> off and you're half drunk and it's not even nine, uh, yeah. 10.30. It's Friday. It's yeah, I know. That's loose. true. That's true. Uh, well, thanks for that. So, yeah, no head worries. down to those spots and go for a bit of a surf. Be, be careful, though. What, are there any really bad injuries you've had before? Mm, haven't snapped any bones or anything? Yeah, or? I've actually snapped a fin off in my chest. I have a scar on my chest that uh, is uh, quite pronounced. But, you know, Jeez. look, I've surfed for 50 years and I can count the injuries on yeah. probably two hands. Most yeah. are just cuts and bruises and often not from, you know, from hitting the reef or hitting coral or something, not from much else. So, no, yeah. it's a pretty safe sport. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we're going to go to another tune now. Annie's still in the studio. She's hanging around. We're talking movies. Um, after this, we might talk about... What did you want to talk about? You wanted oh, to talk we'll about talk the sports. About, yeah, about swimming. Yeah, and we'll swimming. get Annie's opinion on that. We'll talk yeah. movies. I think we need to talk movies while Annie's yeah. here too, uh, definitely. I reckon we'll smash it out while we're here. Absolutely. Time for, time for a bit of John Mayer now. You're on 98.7, Adam PFM. A station sponsor. 98.7, 98.3. Mornings with Matt and Muzz. And he's in the studio talking movies. Yes. yes. Talking yeah. Kenyan politics. That's know. it. No. Now, now <laughs> Annie, while we've got you here, you've, you have worked in Australia and movies, obviously. But what Australian movies have you worked on? Well, um, actual actual Australian films. Australian productions. Australian productions. Yeah. productions yes. Uh, yes. Like The Wog Boys. Oh, did you is, now? Yeah, worked on The Wog Boys. Yes. And, uh, that was a bit of fun. Mm. And... Uh, just uh, a couple of big scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some, it's fun to say. Everywhere yes. you look there, every Australian you'd uh, want to know was in that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. All you know, he, he ran with a thing there. We've got a big Greek population here and mm. good luck to him. He, he, he sort of pinned He did. He ran that. with that for a couple of movies, he did, didn't he? Didn't yeah. he? And mm. uh, he ran with that idea and it seemed to... Uh, well, that changed a lot. In I was in school when that came out mm. and uh, that changed from... Oh, we're just all everyone. So all kids would ask, "What nationality are you?" Because mm. it became really cool to be a, a like a quote unquote a wog boy. Absolutely. Uh, and all of a sudden, all my friends from overseas were like, "Oh yeah, I'm like one sixteenth yeah. Greek. Oh, I'm one sixteenth Spanish." It, 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 like, it, it, it did great. help probably break down a few barriers. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, yeah. What became a uh, you know it would change from like a really offensive word to something that was almost a, uh, uh, a badge of honor. Yeah, that's you know, especially, right. Especially again, I don't know about older generation, but in school it was like oh, it was. Now I'm cool because well, that's I am it. a Yeah, boy. yeah. The previous yeah. generation, that's it was where that horrible it, yeah, yeah, it was a derogatory came from. But that's yeah, yeah, derogatory. But yeah. he so helped he flip change it. that. He yeah. flipped yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. so. And I think because he's Greek, he, he's got the license to do that. And Absolutely. Helped, uh, and it made it uh, good that kids from other nationalities, mm. Southern European. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just, speaking of Greeks, I just saw uh, Effie's back. She's doing yeah. a show. Mm. It's called Love Me Tinder. Love Me Tinder. Good name. It is a good name. Apparently, you know, being older and married, she can't understand why she's still hot and she shouldn't be on Tinder. Okay. <laughs> and is she being Effie or is she being she's a being Effie. Oh, she's being Effie. She's being Effie, Effie. yes. She looks fantastic. Yes, and she does. she's really amazing. I, I think she's a great comedian. Yeah, I do too. So, so because you were uh, working overseas for um, a long time, did you kind of miss that kind of um, era of Australian 
you know, from what late eighties to early nineties? Were you because you were overseas? Do you know a lot of the Australian people during that stage or not? Well, basically, we just met them coming through, coming okay. through the film commission in London, yep. and that was all the all the big people, all the people that were working in films. You know, Linda House, the producers, the directors. Yep. And everything. So we did get to meet lots of them coming through and then representing their films in the various film festivals around Europe. Mm. And uh, so getting back to it, um, it's quite hard to get back into the Australian scene and just walk back in and yep. say, I've got a job, unless, you, unless you've got a project that you want to get up. Yep. So straight away, I just got work at uh, the universities and uh, always found that a good, in the Australian industry, a good backup to uh, getting getting work because you can also do small films, did a lot of small films on uh, educational films, yep. uh, commercial training films, all sorts of things like that, okay. which all have all employ the industry, everyone in the industry. They're still great. Yep. And did work on a, another couple of films, uh, Mr. Nice Guy, which was a Jackie Chan <laughs> film. Yeah, I remember that one. It <laughs> was in Melbourne. I remember there was a scene where he's on a tram or oh, something. Yes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I remember that one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's good. Well, that was completely different experience for the Australian crew there. Yeah. It's a big company, Golden Harvest from Hong Kong. A Hong Kong film mm, company. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. They're a huge, huge company. And yep. uh, they uh, were so funny the way they worked. They were making it up on the day most okay. of the time. We were sorting the script out on, that, on the day. Pre or post Hong Kong handover? Yeah, pre, pre, <laughs> pre the Hong handover. Yeah, <laughs> and well, it was it was amazing on yeah. the, uh, the day with Jackie Chan. He was a lovely guy, and uh, we were doing a scene. And he does his own stunts he too. He does. He wow. totally does. Mm. And wow. uh, I think he's got a connection to Australia as well, doesn't he? Didn't his dad used to work here I or think something? So yeah, yeah, I think he had that. He's done a couple of movies here, I think. Yeah, he yeah. does. He yeah. really likes it. He's a very cool dude and yeah. very relaxed. And I know that Hong nice. Kong. Uh, some of the movies he worked on in the you know late seventies, early eighties were very. Uh, I don't know about the safety <laughs> safety issues going on there, but I don't think they really not. had any. I, I don't think so. Because <laughs> I remember there was I was watching um, you know the Rush Hour movies. Yeah. yeah, I was watching behind the scenes of one of those, uh, and the director's like, "Oh, we wanted to get this shot. It was a bit of a crane shot coming over the building." And he goes, "Normally that would take what three or four days to set up. We get the Absolutely. crane and we get, get the camera." Yep. And Jackie Chan heard him say it, and he goes, well, "What are you talking about?" He grabs the camera, gets one of his stunt guys to hold his pants, and he literally just goes, "Lean <laughs> me over the side of the building." Got the shot in five seconds. He goes, "There you go." There you go. And he goes, "Well, it. you can't do that." <laughs> like, well, I just oh, did. I've just done it. Yeah, he just did it. Absolutely. <laughs> and there were a few of those on Mr. Nice Guy as well. And and we're all going. Oh. Yeah, health and safety. <laughs> OHS. <laughs> but we thought the the executive of Golden Harvest, which is the biggest film company in Hong Kong. Yep. He just goes, no, we don't care. Shoot it. And yep. we thought, okay, it's on you. You would have had a good insurance policy, <laughs> I guess. Must have, yeah. Must have absolutely. had lots of money on absolutely. old Jackie. Absolutely. Yeah, on I reckon. Jackie. <laughs> uh, and have you done any work on TV or uh, predominantly movies? P- predominantly movies. The TV, no, not really in, in the Australian TV industry. It's kind of a different industry. Like yep. if you're in that... It's realm. It, it's a different realm and a different set of connections. Yep. To... What, what about the future now with uh, Netflix and mm. companies like that starting to produce uh, miniseries and mm. things like that? Is that will that generate yeah. work in Australia? Do you think? I, I hope so. You know, I hope. But it, it's absolutely fantastic what it's mm. done. Definitely in, yeah. in America with a lot of Australians with uh, Leanne Moriarty with Big Little Lies and yes. Nicole Kidman and people like yeah. that producing. Yeah, got, and got massive stars for for oh, TV. Yeah. Yeah. Massive stars. Massive stars, yeah. yeah well, well, TV has taken a complete change yeah. to what it was back when I was working even overseas. Or It's just taken off because of Netflix and Foxtel and yeah. all the big series that they're doing now. And 
I think it's very exciting because they're able to develop characters well over a yeah. series as opposed to an hour and a half of a movie. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. more of a long-form um, yeah, storytelling long as form. opposed to... Yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. they can do multiple series like over years so yeah, it can employ definitely. people for yeah. long periods of time oh, instead of absolutely. just a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I found even with the film industry and working on, on things like uh, Thin Red Line... It, it's quite surprising how many actors, even in America, there's B grade actors that we hardly know of, but they still make over a million dollars a year, yeah. which we hardly even know who they are, yeah. as opposed to their A A grade yeah. actors yeah. who earn too much money. But yeah. yeah. Um, so let's just say I'm a young uh, Matt Damon and I've got a script for Goodwill Hunting mm. and I'm living in Australia. What would how would how would young writers or young people that want to get into the, um, making movies or if they're mm, a scriptwriter mm, or even mm, if a director mm. who if you want to get involved, what would is there is there multiple ways to get into the film industry or would you suggest doing a course or how would you what would you recommend for young people that want to get involved? Yeah, I suppose I'm a person that thinks that it's good to go to a course. Yep. H- having worked at Swinburne, I think you see some fantastic talent. Most of our acting ta- talent comes out of NIDA. It doesn't have to. Margot Robbie didn't. They came, but they were still working on long-term series in Australia, TV yep. series, uh, Home and Away and things like that. Yep. Y- you have to be somewhere that gives you a bit of a start. And uh, it's not so easy to just walk up and say, oh, I've got a great script. But you can still, because of digital, you can still make the film yep. and take it to Tropfest or something like that and people go wow that's good yeah without a course yeah but if you're someone that not too sure how to go about it all it, it is great i think to do one of the courses swinburne or film and tv school in sydney yep. or acting nida acting or the other acting courses and then try and work your way into it that way but you have to have a real passion for this area because yeah. it is an area of rejection 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 <laughs> yeah and that's and the hard part as well because uh, again with actors i mean there is no uh, again if you want to be superman yeah you have to look a certain way because he's superman but there's many actors in uh, even like the big bang theory yeah you know like mm. there's actors in that that are worth what hundred million dollars yeah, now probably right, yes. and if you saw them on the street and said oh, i'm going to be uh, an actor you'd go well you're not good looking enough or you're mm. not this or not no, that well, but that's absolutely. that's you, our, yeah. our interpretation of what a movie star is and mm. you know it we, changes yeah. we watch movies you know the movies we might enjoy are movies that may represent us or have something we're and mm. we're not all attractive beautiful no. people absolutely and, but, and also every role calls for a different thing you know you might Ooh. need a really tall man or a really short lady That's or, right. a, or well, absolutely. whatever you know whatever we're not all be. Hemsworths no absolutely you know? no. no that's not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing no 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 it isn't again but here's one you know Chris started in uh, his, his career in Home and Away in yeah. TV he used to camp near us in Malacuta mm. really? the Hemsworth family because they're, they're from um, they're from Phillip Island, Phillip Island yeah. yeah they live they live over in Phillip Island he lives in Byron Bay in Hollywood now so in Beverly as you do do. but yeah he was you know i met him one day or my wife went out of her way to meet him (laughs) and um he was a nice very approachable young man back in the day and he probably still is from all reports he would be i haven't met him but he just looks very down to earth and uh, i mean those starting on things like that that Mm. home and away Mm. kylie minogue yeah Yeah. half of our stars did start that way um speaking before you were talking about um 
Khan, <laughs> not Cairns, uh, on the yachts. Uh, is there is there a different? Um, have you met anyone that really does have an ego and uh, are a little bit up themselves? You don't have to name names. No. But uh, is there a difference between say English actors, Australian actors, and American actors, or mm. foreign actors? Yeah. Um, is there a difference, or are they pretty certainly, much the same? Certainly, I think there is. I think the English are a lot more aligned to Australians. Australian, yeah. They they don't take themselves seriously. They laugh themselves off a bit more. Yeah. Americans do take themselves very very seriously. Yeah. Yeah, and they take the whole trip very seriously, and and their their entourage around them. And, okay. uh, but is that know. something their entourage creates too? Because Definitely. they just blow wind up them, and Absolutely. they just go, "You're the best there is." Yeah, suckling from the money team. Yeah, they do. They're all on the payroll. Yeah, they want. Yeah, and they're not going to say that was rubbish when it was rubbish. Absolutely. Sometimes they should. And do you think that? budget has anything to do with um how good a movie turns out because i know there's been some really big budget movies mm. that have gone womp 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 mm. and there's movies like pulp fiction that are made on what five ten million dollars mm. uh and it's a masterpiece wow. yeah, and look absolutely. at look at mad max is a great mad example yeah. i was in a guinness book of records for 30 years as the mm. highest grossing movie and mm. you know oh, for the production yeah, uh, for, yeah the jump for, up from start to thing and and i think uh what's his name uh used his own car because they'd run out yep, of money used absolutely. his own car in one of the scenes mm. absolutely yeah, so I was beaten by um, uh, Blair Witch. Yeah, Blair yeah, Witch. And then I think yep, Paranormal yep. Activity beat it. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. Which you know they're they're like handy cam yeah. movies that give me a headache. Grand unfortunately, it yeah, yeah, I know. Absolutely, I think budget is it doesn't make a difference. No. I, I think script is the most important. Yeah, exactly. It, it always is, and it always has been. Mm. Good actors will always tell you it's it's the script that makes it. Yeah, and Americans have got that money, so they can throw masses at it. But even things like um, uh, what's his name, Paul Hogan's film, yeah. you know that they they started on eight million dollars, and, yeah. and you know they made something that all, everyone in the world could relate to. So yeah. there was some. Uh, yeah, I think you know, it cr- forces you to be a little bit more creative if you don't have the budget to go, oh, definitely. we'll just digitally put that in later. And, yeah, and being, being an Australian who goes to America quite a bit, it's still ongoing, the legacy mm. of Paul mm. Hogan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many times it's I've incredible. been asked about, oh, this is a knife. Yeah. No, this is a knife. It's exactly. a constant. Yeah. Exactly. You know, that's it. Even this 30-odd 30 30 odd years later. And they're still doing it. And they're still doing it. Still doing still it. Doing it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The power of movies. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's it. Bloody Paul Hogan. It's all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> uh, time for a bit of Fleetwood back now. Hey, after this, we're going to come back, uh, maybe have a little bit of a chat, and then pretty much wrap up the show. It's gone fast, hasn't it, guys? Oh, it has. Yeah. Stick around. Mornings with Matt and Moss. Dreams, Fleetwood Mac. You more of a Fleetwood or more of a Mac? Uh, (laughs) Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, I'd be more of a Fleetwood, I think. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Are they touring or have they toured? Um, Neil Finn. Neil Finn's joined them. Neil Finn, yeah. Yeah, Neil Neil Finn's in there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they've had a very sordid career. They have. Definitely. Yeah, I did read a book about them many years ago about one of their, at the peak of their career where they were touring in Australia and they did ask for 20 crates of Heineken beer to be delivered to uh as part of their rider. Okay. And that was back in the day when Heineken was an imported beer and it was very, very expensive. And mm. the uh, tour manager was aghast when he's turned up. And the reason they wanted the um, Heineken is because they use the bottle caps. 
So they didn't drink the beer. Ooh. They just had the bottle caps and they had cocaine in the bottle caps. Oh, That's definitely. all they did. Oh my God. <laughs> so all oh, this man. beer was going to waste that cost this guy a fortune. Tip it straight out, yeah. <laughs> really? Oh. And all they were doing is just... Sometimes just... <laughs> sometimes with the stars, though, I think they're writers. It's like, you know, if you don't want to do something, just make it so ridiculous. Mm. That's you know, right. I would like, you know, a bath bathtub full of, you know, Sauvignon Blanc. And they're like, well, you yeah. know, and if they do it, then, 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 you well, know, it's more with money. I think you I know, can, I'll do the show. You know, you pay me five million dollars, I'll do a show, true. and then I go, okay. And you're like, oh, okay. I could understand how Mick Fleetwood lost his fortune if that was the case. You know, like they were the world's most successful band, Absolutely. and apparently in the nineties he went, he was bankrupt, and it probably, mm. yeah. you know, having a uh, eighty or twenty dozen Heinekens with cocaine in the bottle caps is yeah. probably a little excessive. Yeah, I'd probably, excessive. I, I would it expect is. it probably costs a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good on him though. I'm sure I they. Guess I'm so, sure they yes. had a good time. I'm sure they did, <laughs> if they remember it. Um, did you want to say a little something about the sport thing as well? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, th- this episode that's happened with this uh, Sun Yang, the Chinese swimmer. Yeah. Um, the fact that it looks like, you know, FINA are having a serious crack at the couple of guys who protested about it, yet the supposed drug cheat is able to compete and get away scot-free. And, uh, you know, there was talk a few days that um, that Mac Horton and Duncan Scott may lose their medals because they refused to stand on the podium with it. Okay. And I I just think Fina have probably got it completely wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. That seems a bit backwards. Well, it is. It is a bit that the fact that this guy is a, a... a drug cheat, and mm. there is still an ongoing court case in September for another issue okay. that may ban him from the Olympic Games next year. But here he was, you know, standing there winning two gold medals the and then criticising yeah. these two guys who refused to stand, you know. Mm. And, and FINA is meant to represent the sport, yeah. you know, and it's it's yeah, Australia pushes hard for a drug-free sport. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and they've sort of, yeah, they might have stolen a bit of sun yang's thunder mm. by not not standing, standing with him yeah. with him but, but they've cheap. actually drawn attention to you know mm. there is major irreg- irregularities <laughs> as i was hard with my mouth, that, mouth. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very hard word to say <laughs> yes and and you know they need to really address the real issue not criticise yeah. these couple of guys who it, stood up for their beliefs. I couldn't agree more. It's yeah. FINA that should be yeah. uh, standing up and taking yeah. leadership in this issue. Absolutely. And but, uh, uh, you know, then then it always brings that other question. Is FINA up for corruption? Is there a heavy mm. Chinese influence? You know, I don't mm. want to say that in one sense. You know, it's all alleged. But mm. is there a reason they're not, you know, they haven't acted on this yeah. Earlier and later well, get to this point. There are conspiracy theories like that. Have you, there's a movie called uh, Icarus. I don't know if you've heard of it or seen it. And mm. it's basically uh, the Russian guy that admits that, you know, there was a massive cover up involving the Russian government yep. and Putin yep. to cheat. Mm. Uh, and he was sanctioned, sanctioned by them. He's in hiding at the moment. The FBI no. have got him in hiding because they're trying to actually yeah. kill him. Yeah. <laughs> they're not joking. They I really know, are. No, I know. The KGB are imagine. after him. Yep, um, that's it. So, yeah, it actually, some of those things, we, when it comes to bigger countries and uh, there's massive conspiracy theories, yeah, and there's, exactly. it's not just one athlete doing it by himself in a room. Mm. It's There's a team of people. Well, it's already like, proven with the Russians with their, their ski team the other year where they mm. all, you know, where it was... And Lance doping. Armstrong as well. It wasn't yeah, just Lance well, in the room with no, a needle. No, no. It wasn't. It no, wasn't. It yeah, wasn't the team. Just, yeah, the team. <laughs> the team are all doing it. Yeah. But the, the thing that sucks about that is, well, I think we've talked about it before, but with the athletes as well, if you do win a gold medal and then later on you you found out to be a cheat, 
the person that came second doesn't get any of the glory, no, any no, of the recognition, like Marion Jones. Yeah. You know, who came second to her? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. She yeah. didn't get yeah. a medal. She didn't get the well, contracts. How much what money happened you... to Raylene Boyle? You know, the Eastern, East Germans back in the day, like, you know, they were all, all doped up athletes. Yeah. And, Absolutely. You know, and, and people actually criticised Raylene for a few years that, oh, she was just sooking about it. But mm. she no. was within her rights. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if, she if... was the world champion, the gold medalist who at didn't get time. a medal. Absolutely. You know, and the doping was not you know brought out into the public yeah mm. so that's mm. it um uh anyway i've got here as well um 1994 was uh, a great year for movies so up for the best picture were was shawshank redemption pulp fiction and forrest gump out of those three uh forrest gump won of course. Do you think that that's correct or do you think it should have been shawshank or pulp oh definitely <laughs> shouldn't have been forrest gump no no <laughs> which mean- one would you go with <laughs> I probably would have gone for Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction? that year. I, for... I actually had be interviewed uh, Tarantino that year okay. overseas. He he was there and every Pulp Fiction, everybody was chasing him in uh, France for interviews and everything. Yeah. And he was sitting in a cafe that we were in and yep. we just used the time to quickly chat to him, approach him and, and he, he spoke about it. But I thought it was a great film, very... Left of centre for yeah. what yeah. mainstream Hollywood was doing at well, the time. Well, even now, it still stands oh, by it's, itself as a it's, very yeah. unique film. It's timeless, very, that it's movie. It's quite timeless. And he would have liked the fact you being Australian because he does have that connection. Mm. He used to mm. love those, those splatter movies, yeah. Australian splatter movies. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and you can see it in, you know, like John Jarrett's appeared in, oh, some, in the background Wolf of some Creek. of his movies. You know, <laughs> yeah. like he yeah. loves, like, he, he, he's kept that connection. With yeah. those and New Zealand as well. Yeah, New Zealand, yeah. A stunt lady, Zoe, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's used her. He's made movies. Movie with her in that yeah. one, yeah, yeah, and she's yeah. in Hateful Eight as well. She's uh, oh, that's yeah, right, she, she is, yeah. yes, I'm from New Zealand, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, with, and with Karen, uh, Tarantino, when you meet him, is he is it a weird conversation because he's a very unique character, yeah. the way he talks, he's got a very specific way mm. of talking and approaching people at that stage before Pop Fiction. He was very low key, now okay. he looks a bit weird, I think, okay. but back then. <laughs> He was just a casual guy that okay. loved films and had a background, all, all his background in all sorts of, yeah. you know, comics and things like that. And yeah. uh, so he's very relaxed and cruisy. Mm. But of course, since he's after Pop Fiction got catapulted, he, even yeah. at that time at the Cannes Film Festival, everyone was saying, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. who is this guy? And yeah. here we were sitting in the cafe and he was there. So we, we someone approached him and asked mm. if they could have a few words with him. And, yeah. and he was totally relaxed and nice. He wouldn't be like that now. Yeah. And he so won yeah. the uh, Palm Door that year as well. Absolutely, didn't he? some he people did. booed. Boo! So, yeah, yeah. So you, did, you didn't need a uh, pair of pliers and a blowtorch to no. get an interview with him, <laughs> or a gimp mask, or whatever it may be. Definitely not. Um. Well, it was that easygoing Australian attitude that he oh, yeah, yeah, no problem it. at all. No yeah. problem. Hates to be Australian. Uh, yeah, it, it's quite good. It, it still works overseas. Yeah. I mean, good. I like us as a country. I yeah, think we're pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, and are you looking forward to seeing the Muzz and I have talked about? We're really excited about the new one coming out. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh yeah, I'm dying. To see it. Yeah, and do you oh. have any connections to that movie at all? No, none no. at all, really. Well, didn't, didn't you say, you know, Brad Pitt or you've oh, got some, someone Pitt that knows story, Brad Pitt? Brad Pitt. Well, at <laughs> once... <laughs> probing now. He's, he's probing, probing. Yeah. I, I've never met Brad Pitt, but okay. uh, he, we were sort of in a room at one stage with Sean Penn and a few other actors from Thin Red Line in North Queensland, Port yes. Douglas, yep. and Brad Pitt rang. And we went, oh, okay. The production <laughs> assistant said, it's Brad Pitt on the phone. Yeah. And we all went, oh. Okay, <laughs> and at that time he he just said to Sean Penn, "I've just broken up with my girlfriend, which yep. was Gwyneth Paltrow at the time." Yep. 
And he said, the press are all over me and I've got to get out of here. I think I might come to Port Douglas. And we're all saying, yes, yeah. yes, come. If you have to. If, if you have to come here, we'll get you somewhere Ch- else to Chuck you on the futon. <laughs> uh. Wow, that would have been amazing. That was hilarious. We all, all said that and we all, you know, we were all joking and laughing. Yep. But he didn't come. So I don't know what happened. The press got him or something. But uh, Gives he... me the Brad Pitts when Brad Pitt doesn't rock well, up. Well, that's yeah. it. Um, okay, so is there anyone uh, that you haven't worked with that you would have loved to work with? Oh, good question. Probably heaps of people, Rapid. but uh, <laughs> Kate Blanchett. I've never worked with her. Uh, we yes. had, we were I've blanket. seen her working on a se- on a film set. Mm. You know, she's she's amazing. She's quite a cool lady. Yeah, and, yes. uh, very cool. And certainly produces amazing uh, and performances. Absolutely. And absolutely. do you have um, a favourite actor or actress at the moment? Oh God, they're, they're tough questions, I aren't know, they? I know. They really it can change. Are. It can change. It, it changes. What about you, most? Do you have a favourite actor? Uh, yeah, I do, but it does change. It yeah, does, it changes. That does change. What about today? Today, <laughs> I'm just sort of thinking about where it is. You know, certain movies, you know, George Clooney and some of those Coen Brother movies is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. A lot of people write George off as a bit of a movie yeah. star, but he's prepared to take to take it out of himself yep. and, yeah, you know, is. and that's what I love about some of his movies. I won't say he's my favourite actor, but no. in saying that at times he is, you know, yep. uh, mm. in uh, Brother Where Art Thou, like the ability he had to take, yep. you know, he was more concerned with his hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the right Absolutely. hair gel for his hair. Yeah. So, and he did that so well. Yeah. 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 Or, or well. films like Up in the Air where, yeah. where he looks at that whole thing where, you know, they lay people off yeah. from their jobs left, right and centre and mm-hmm. they bring someone like him in and they just slash people's yes. lives to pieces. Yeah. And he yeah. does a lot of uh, producing as well, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He yeah. is a producer, executive yeah. producer. Um, yeah. My one at the, moment is, uh, yeah. at the moment is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, is oh, that? Jake okay. Gyllenhaal. Yeah. 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 There's yes. a in like three in a row and I'm like, the choices he made, mm. you know, I saw, I don't know if you guys have seen a movie called Prisoners. Um, but he plays like a, a cop in it and he's got these really subtle tattoos and he has mm. this, um, he blinks funny. Mm. Yeah. And I'm watching it going, does Jake Gyllenhaal blink like mm. that all the time? Mm. You know those weird blinks yes. that people do? Yes. Uh, and I saw an interview, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the show, uh, Inside the Actor's Studio. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. And definitely. he goes, no, I made that conscious de- decision, decision uh, because I thought my character was always thinking and I noticed the people mm. blink like that. Mm. I think they mm. think mm. like mm. that. Uh, and then the next one, it was like Night, uh, Nightcrawler. And yeah. he was, you know, he was very unique in that. And mm. in the last couple of movies I've seen, he's really made good choices. Yeah. And, you know, I think they you learn it when you go to Nighter and stuff, so your mm. character backstory. Yeah. It seems like he does a lot of work in that. Like he will do little subtle things with his wardrobe. And mm. it's like, oh, you seem like a real person, not just to put on the screen, uh, mm. you know, character, mm. which I find kind of interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, and when I was a kid, it was just Will Smith because he was fun. Yeah, Will Smith. <laughs> But Will, Will Smith took a path. He did. He, he, he totally analysed what, what are the best films, how can I make it to the top. Yes, and yeah. he of his did, career. Of yes. his career. So he it did. was totally premeditated, his yeah. rise so to the top. I, I also think Sean Penn's a great oh, actor. Sean Penn. Mm. Sean Penn in Milk yeah. is one of where, the best performances I've ever where seen. Where is Sean? Yeah. Um, hey, that's it for the show for this uh, for this week. We've got to go to the news in about 10 seconds. So thanks, Annie, for coming in. Really Thank enjoyed you. it. Great morning. Muzz, always a pleasure. No worries. Uh, stick See around for Jackie week. Mitchell after the news. And, uh, yeah, that's Matt and Muzz for another week. National Radio News. Hello, I'm Erin Archam. A Melbourne man 